0: From the Thai Cats Audio Network, this is Thai Cats Today with Louie Butko.
1: Yes, it is Thai Cats Today for a Wednesday, November the 23rd, 2022. Thanks for checking us out on the Thai Cats Audio Network. Louie Butko here with you halfway through your first post-CFL season week. How are you doing? I'm checking in, making sure you're okay. You don't miss it too much, uh but yeah, I do I, I miss the news, I miss stuff happening every day. I wish I had something to tell you in our news and notes column, but uh unfortunately, I do not uh but maybe that'll change uh, in the next little bit, as we'll continue to bring you all the news you need to know here on Tide cats today. at least I am told I think so we'll We'll find out together. that's what we do here. I will let you know. Uh, that I won't be here the rest of the week. So this is our last show of the week, actually. Uh, As I'm uh, going to a different type of football game for the first time in a long time, uh, I'm going to see my beloved Buffalo Bills in Detroit on American Thanksgiving. Uh, So if you are one of those American listeners who listen to us, uh, uh, maybe you're just celebrating. uh, Happy Thanksgiving this weekend. I I always say the Americans did it right. The the, the very few things they they do right better than us is the four-day weekend for Thanksgiving. Have it on Thursday. Friday, forget it. Nothing. Nothing's happening Friday. Saturday, Sunday, and then you come back Monday after a four-day weekend. That's how all of it should be. And I say that as someone who works weekends in his other job. So I, I don't really know what a weekend is. This is kind of the closest thing I have to it. This is kind of my Friday. Uh, but I appreciate you checking us out and just letting you know. Uh, no show tomorrow. Uh, no show. We'll be back next week here on Cats Today. Uh, right now, though, very pleased to be joined by the Canadian Press CFL reporter... Dan, Ralph, and uh, Dan, I'll just mention my other job there, uh, weekends. Uh, I've never felt more like a a sports writer than I did on Sunday night trying to cut together those highlights on a deadline. Uh, That game uh, had to have been a writer's worst nightmare on Sunday.
0: There were. uh, It's funny. I I mean, when Janarian Grant returned the punt, I went, perfect. I can start writing now. And then all of a sudden, um, another twist came. And then another and then another, and then another. And it's like, holy. So I think uh, I looked on my screen at one time. I had four different things that I was working on because I didn't know. And thank God I did because it ended up coming back to the second one that I had. So I, it wasn't as bad. But <clears throat> I don't think in uh, in all my years that I've seen a fourth quarter like that. It really had so many ebbs and flows to it that um, it, it really – I bet you it was fun from a fan's perspective. But um, see? <laughs> My my, because I was thinking, you know, maybe
1: after that first half, the story is the defense. The story is what it, what a great job these defenses are doing, and yeah. then the special teams became involved. And then you you mentioned there were things that that had to be left on the cutting room floor the the face mask on on third oh. and uh, and fifteen like that that is a forgotten play. Boris Beatty's missed field goals; those are forgotten because the Argos win. I mean, that game really had everything. If if the CFL. Was looking at showcasing what makes that great, what makes our game great. I think that game was a great example for it.
0: Yeah, it's really sad. Eh? I mean, Janarian Grant has a 102-yard Grey Cup record punt return, and you know how much of that was in my story? One sentence. Yeah. Because everything else came, you know. I mean, yeah, you're right. It was. It's a, a testament to the the fun and frivolity of Canadian football. And it really, you know, it really is true. No lead is safe. And, uh, um, but yeah, I, like I said, nobody cares about what I have to go through to do my job. Don <laughs> Q Public was just, I mean, I can't tell you how many people have said, what a thrilling game. And I'm going, yeah. And I've bitten my tongue because nobody <laughs> wants to know, you know, what you and I go through. Yeah, I,
1: I just, I was thinking, uh, man, because, you guys wrote on deadline, and it was great to see it on the front pages of the you know the the Toronto papers, and you know, yeah. unfortunate that you know the, they see. But we're fortunate that you were there covering it. But you know, uh, obviously, when we talk about this game and how much uh, you know we care for it, it's great to see the Argos pull out the victory. How do they capitalize on this now?
0: Well, that's that's the sixty-four million dollar question, isn't it? I mean, we've been here before. They they won an improbable game in two seventeen. They had the, uh, you know, the the winningest starting quarterback in league history coming back. Um, they had, you know, a, a coach who I think the world of, and Mark Trestman coming back. And the next year, they, um, you know, it, it all imploded. Um, I, I don't know. It's a really good question, you know. Um, and I, and I go back to 96, 97, when you had arguably the best player in in Argos slash CFL history at the helm, and you had arguably the two greatest. Argo teams in history, and in '98 you couldn't capitalize either. So that—that's, you know what? Um, I hope they can, but past history is not flattering. Let's put it that way. Uh, let's
1: go back to the game. What did it come down to? What was the recipe of success? for this Toronto Argonauts team to be lifting the trophy at the end of the game? I mean, there's a lot of luck that goes into it, right? I mean, there's some plays that, that are miraculous. There's a lot of, but what was the recipe for success for this Argos team in that game?
0: Well, I I just looked at it. Winnipeg couldn't put them away. You know, I mean, even after Grant scored and they went up by, I think it was nine. uh, I really expected Winnipeg to capitalize. It was a, 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 I thought a momentum changing point in the game. And I thought they would just come back and, and score. And and put the game out of reach, and 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 in my mind, Toronto's defense just did not let that happen. And um, it's not surprising that the Argos rode their defense to success because they've done that all year. But to do it against arguably, um, you know, the, well, the, the reigning two-time MOP, they they intercepted him, and Winnipeg also made some some really interesting play calls. Like why. You put Dakota Prukop in the game to throw a long bomb when if you take a look at the replay, at about 15, 20 yards, he had receivers open, but he wanted to deliver the kill shot. And, and hmm. you know, maybe that's admirable, but you know what? At that point, all you needed to do was to keep the ball and keep moving and to get yourself in, in position uh, to score again and, and to sort of capitalize. And they just kept, in my mind, Toronto's defense just kept giving um, giving. Winnipeg fits and it just didn't, it refused to let Winnipeg put them away.
1: Uh, Corey Mace is a name that uh, I don't think a lot of people really knew coming into this season. Uh, you know, defensive line coach for a long time in, 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 uh, in Calgary, but I feel like his stock this season and he's got a lot of special talent on defense, but I feel like his stock this season and in that game went sky high and uh, a name that we'll probably be talking about for quite some time.
0: Yeah, I would agree with that. I really would. I mean, let's not forget, um, Toronto was without you know its its tackling leader and Winton McManus, and so in my mind there might have been a spot there to attack. And to the credit to who, and, and I can't even tell you who who stepped in for him, which is probably the best compliment I can give you because uh, I, I didn't have to look up to find out who was replacing Winton. And of course, you know Henock Mwamba came up with a big game, and uh, the secondary I thought played a, a, a big game too. Uh, now, having said that, there were a couple of times when when Zach Caleros went deep for for Dalton Schoen in the first half, and one and both times Schoen was behind the secondary. And one, you know, once it went off his hands, he couldn't squeeze it. And the second time, Zach couldn't get the ball to him. And I thought both times, you know, those were opportunities missed. But I mean, give give uh, you know, give credit where credits due. That defense, it got to Caleros four times. They it, it sacked them. And, you know, and Robbie Smith had the game of game. I mean, you want to talk about a guy in the fourth quarter who went from hero to goat to hero. I mean, you know, I mean, his his name of those four things that I had written down, his name was featured in three of them and one of them wasn't very good. So, um, yeah, you know, I I, I think that defense, uh, you know, it sort of caught my eye and and and, uh, you know, and I guess I shouldn't be surprised. Corey was a pretty good player. Uh, in his day and um, and he's sort of morphed into a very very good coach and you know he um, he might be somebody who's maybe on a head coaching radar not this year but he might be somebody you know in the second the second turn of things if he can put together a couple of good years with that defense that we're talking about as a potential candidate how much pressure is
1: on the Hamilton Tiger Cats now that the Argos have won. I mean, I, I think they were going to be feeling pressure going into this year anyway. It's a great yeah. cup. It's in Hamilton. <laughs> Disappointing end to this season, but because yep. it was the Argos who were lifting <laughs> that trophy, does that amp the pressure up even more?
0: I'm sure it doesn't help. <laughs> you know, um, if you know, I think Ticast fans will tell you there's seven other teams in this league I'd rather see win the great Cup than than the guy down the QE. Uh, I It doesn't hurt. It doesn't help. But you know, I think you hit the nail on the head. 2023 was going to be an important year regardless because of what happened in 2022 and also maybe what happened in 2021 when, uh, you know, they had that gray cup in sight and, um, and save for a fourth quarter comeback, you know, I mean, um, Hamilton, I think if I look now, I think Hamilton might have the longest gray cup drought in, in the league. And um, so, I can understand the pressure being on for 2023. Everybody wants to see the home team playing in Tim Morton's again and winning this time, but it doesn't help that the arch rivals, the defending Grey Cup champ, maybe that gives you impetus for the East semi or the East, uh, East final. S- certainly will for Labor Day, but they don't need much impetus for Labor Day.
1: Yeah, not at all. Uh, let's talk about a former tie cat in Brandon Banks and, and his season really encompasses, I think, what the Argos did. It looked at, it looked at times... That he was going to be the guy, you know. I was in Guelph in the preseason where he he dressed against Hamilton. He wanted to play in that game. We saw the incident on the sidelines that had pinball coming down from from his 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 box, and then it was just quiet, and it was it was different. and And that's kind of what the Argos were all season. I felt like they were quiet. They weren't grabbing the headlines, but they got the job done in the end, just like Brandon Banks, who's now a Great Cup champion.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, let's not forget they were four and five at the halfway point, right? And um, and in the East, that gave them first place. But um, you know, I mean, they were they went seven and two down the stretch, and then um, and then won the East final, and ultimately won the Grey Cup. So, I mean, you know, and I know that CFL season is built is 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 you know consists of thirds. It's get to Labor Day. It's what you do after Labor Day. Then it's what you do in the playoffs. And so that team. It had, it had discipline issues the first half of the year. And I can't remember how many times we talked to, to Coach Dinwiddie about it. And he would say, Yeah, we're, you know, we're addressing it. We're addressing it. We're addressing it. Um, and later in the year, those incidents sort of tamed down and, and they weren't, they, they, they were still there, but they weren't as evident. Now, let's not forget, Brandon got himself in a bit of hot water in the fourth quarter with an objectionable conduct penalty that, uh, that left Toronto second and 20. And uh, thank God for Chad Kelly, because on, on, on second and 15, after an offside penalty, he got 20. And all of a sudden, that, that Brandon Banks thing that maybe was on my screen, I could delete. Um, but I mean, I, I did notice it. And, uh, you know, he didn't, uh, uh, he, he, he had his warts. I mean, he only had three catches for 30 some odd yards. But um, you know what? They, 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 like they did all year, they targeted him often. And um, they kept trying to make him part of the offense, and, and they kept going to him. And and uh, you know, in the Grey Cup, he wasn't the factor, but he, he in the end, he didn't hurt them as, as much as um, as that objectionable conduct penalty yeah. could have.
1: Uh, if this is it for him, I mean, he, he's kind of been hinting at it. Uh, what, what's what's his legacy? Where how do we remember sixteen?
0: Hmm. I remember him as as a uh, as a dual threat. I you know I mean he came into the league he he reminded me a lot of um, uh, was was it Steve Williams hmm. no Um, uh, uh, anyway the the little the little guy who was a punt returner for Hamilton was the mop or was the most valuable special teams guy and then and then sort of became a receiver but I think the thing that that Brandon I remember in two thirteen and two fourteen would tell you I'm a receiver. And we sort of went, yeah, yeah, okay, fine. I think he showed that he's a receiver who could also return punts rather than just being a a, a punt returner who was a part-time receiver. And, I mean, 219, he was as dominant as I've ever seen a player be. And, um, you, know, um, you know, I give him kudos. I mean, he, stick, he stuck to it. I think he could have retired. I think, um, you know, I wouldn't look down on his career at all without that gray cup, but I think – to accentuate it with a Grey Cup, to me, um, it, it just magnifies in my mind that this guy—he he was a pretty good player. Uh, yeah. Hall of Fame? Yeah. We have that. Dis- we have that discussion. But I think the fact that he's a Grey Cup champion—I think that puts him into the discussion more.
1: Yeah, I don't. I don't think. I don't think he, he's a first ballot Hall of Famer, but I, I wouldn't be surprised to see his bust. Uh, at I, his I would, field.
0: Yeah, I would agree with that. I would agree One day.
1: with that. Um, the t- let's talk offseason. Uh, the Ticats may- tried to steal the headlines on Monday of Great Cup Week uh, by acquiring the rights to Bo Levi Mitchell. Uh, <laughs> coach sounded pretty confident that, you know, you don't make this deal unless you're going to yeah. sign him. Then Bo goes on the radio in, in Calgary and says, I'm still going to wait to free agency. What do you make of this situation?
0: Well, they better sign him. Um, that's all I, I mean, because if he um, they must know something we don't, because if yeah. if I would have talked to Bo and he said, no, I, you know, I appreciate you showing the interest, but I'm going to go to free agency. Then I don't make the deal because you're going to have to negotiate with him after, you know, after the date in February. So there must have been something there must be a there there for them to pull the trigger on that trade. Um because I'll be honest, I, I, I said it and I will say it again. I still think Toronto is is in his crosshairs um, for obvious reasons. It's where he can develop a post-football career in TV. I think um, you know the, the idea of playing for MLSE, however disjointed that may be, um, would be an appeal. And I think there would be there's enough former Calgary in Toronto to sort of make him feel maybe a tad more comfortable. So, um, yeah, I heard the same comments you did about what, you know, he said that he's going to test free agency. And I, that surprised me because I I thought when Hamilton made the deal that they would have, you know, the next day said, we have an extension ready for Bo. And, um, the fact that there isn't, I think it's a, you know, maybe it's a calculated risk. And, um, but again, what we had said two twenty three being as important as it is to the Ticats you know, maybe I see it, but I'll tell you: if they don't sign him and Dane comes back, I think you've cre- you've created a hornet's nest.
1: Yeah, and that was the point. If if you don't sign him, and yeah, uh, it'll be interesting to watch. What else are you watching uh, this off season? Because I think quarterbacks is is the big topic, and and whether that's for good or for bad, uh, you know, whether it's Nathan Rourke getting a shot in the NFL, you know, just the constant movement. Uh, just your sense on, on quarterbacks gonna be dominating yeah. the offseason topics.
0: Yeah, I think quarterbacks, I mean Nathan's gonna be the one guy we're all gonna watch to see if and when, if he gets an NFL shot. Um where Bo ends up, I think, obviously. But I mean they you know, I also want to see who's the head coach in Montreal, who's the head coach in Ottawa, and um and and um you know what what's where's where are the Saskatchewan Rough Riders gonna find a quarterback? You know, um does Dane end up there? I mean uh, I asked uh, uh, someone who I, I trust about that, and they, they poo pooed it, but, um, you know, if if Bo ends up in in Hamilton, um, all of a sudden, you know, uh, they're going to have to do some, either outright release Dane or trade him, and if they trade him, they're not going to be in a position to, uh, you know, in a position of strength, because everybody's going to know you're going to have to trade him, so um, that's the one, you know, I, in my mind, I would have done this on the QT. I'm not sure I would have, uh, I would have made the trade. I would have talked to Bo. And if he said, I'm going to go to free agency, I would have waited. And I wouldn't, you know, maybe Dane wouldn't have been the wiser, or maybe you tell Dane very quietly, this is what we're going to do. But right now, we all know what's going to happen. We all know what the, uh, you know, the cards are on the table and, and he's left in limbo here. And I, I kind of feel sorry for him. Well, and it seems like
1: Calgary is the only city that, that really – the only team that really has it figured out right now. I mean, they, yeah. they can go into this offseason thinking, here's the plan. They can start today, or they have started yeah. already. Meanwhile, in BC, like you said, does Nathan Rourke come back? In Edmonton, what's going on with Chris Jones in Edmonton, right? Uh, yeah. even, even the Toronto Argonauts, they're going to have yeah. a question. If McLeod Bethel-Thompson doesn't want to come back. Are you ready to give the reins to Chad Kelly based on what you saw in 14 minutes of, of high-intensity mm-hmm. action?
0: Yeah. I, I mean, it's funny. I mean, I, I tipped my cap. Well, tip, they had no choice. But the, the kid came in and, and delivered. And, and you know, and, and had he not delivered, you know, I think we could have almost said, well, you know, he didn't get much playing time this year. He was a short, a, a short yard specialist. But the kid came in and showed a lot of moxie. Now, can he deliver that for 18 games and, and two playoff games and three, you know, if you have to go that way? But that's a good question. But, yeah, there, there could be, um, you know, I mean, I have to go to the rally tomorrow and it'll be another question I ask uh, McLeod Bethel again. Are, are you clear on your um, uh, clear on your future? And, I mean, he was very, very adamant that he it was hard being away from his family for six months this year. And he's got a young family and I totally get it. This Grey Cup might be vindication for him to, you know, I was a starter, I was on the starting offense of the Grey Cup champion, and and I think any pro will tell you going out on top is the dream. So maybe that is it. But I mean, you know, I mean, if there's a new coach in, in Montreal, where's Trevor Harris fitting all this? Or do they have to go and get a, another quarterback? At least at BC, if Nathan goes, they've got Vernon Adams Jr., who I think is, you know, he can be a starter in this league, but... There's so many teams like what's Ottawa going to do if 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 Jeremiah hits hits a, a, a speed bump with his uh, his recovery and, um, you know, and, and then there's Montreal and then there's Ham, uh, Hamilton, then there's Ottawa or uh, Toronto as well. I mean, the only two teams that seem to know what the quarterback situations are, in my mind, are Winnipeg and Calgary, and everybody else, we don't know. Well, what's going to happen with Michael Shane Winnipeg? That's another, yeah, you know. Yeah,
1: I was just about to throw
0: that out yeah. to you. Um, what did you make of Grey Cup week? Obviously,
1: a little more back to normal. Is there anything that really stood out to you, whether it was coaches, press conferences, uh, anything the commissioner had to say? Uh, was there any any major takeaway? I mean, Grey Cups, they especially when you, you've done them as, as much as you have, I'm, I'm sure they, they kind of fall into a nice rhythm. But anything stand out to you in Saskatchewan this year?
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I'd be surprised if Michael Shea doesn't stay in Winnipeg. Um, yeah. I think he'd look, and he's got his quarterback for the next three years, and it all starts there. So I, and he's got a good thing going. I just, I you know, the only thing that would maybe entice him is a coach and GM role. But I mean, I love Mike to death, but he doesn't have the the um, the GM acumen in my mind, and so he'd have to, you know, have hire somebody to do that for him. Um, he's got a good situation and they were one point away from a three-peat and they were a few, and I'll say it again. They were a field goal, a competent field goal kicker away from a three-peat. And, um, you know, they, uh, they went and got Castillo in 2021, which to me said everything they needed to be said about Legio, or if I hope I'm pronouncing his name right. And then this year, you know, with the game on the line, he got blocked. Um, so I, I'd be surprised if Mike doesn't return, um, I know as a player, he was very adamant that he would always play out his contract and then worry about it in the offseason. So I think that that plays out the way it's going to play out. Uh, the only other thing about Grey Cup, I guess, was, you know, what was going to happen with, with Zach. I mean, he didn't practice the first two days. And then when he did practice, that story went away real quick. And as for what the commissioner had to say, uh, I didn't find anything new or earth shattering other than, you know, there's there's still he's still banking on 2.0 and. Okay. Well, I appreciate you taking some
1: time here uh, Dan and uh, great coverage all season as always, thank you buddy
0: Thank you, thank you very much, Uh, my pleasure
1: My thanks to Dan Ralph for joining me and my thanks to you as well as mentioned, uh, we'll not be here the rest of the week but uh, we will be back uh, with more shows next week here on the TyCast Audio Network Thanks for joining us, I'm Louis Bucko, hope you have a great day
0: TyCast today can be heard every weekday and we would like to hear from you Email us at gameday at TieCats.ca. Have a question or an opinion? We wanna hear it. That's Game Subscribe to the TieCats Audio Network on Spotify or wherever you
1: get your podcasts.